0: What's up, everybody? DJ here from Move the Sticks, along with Bucky Brooks, our podcast. We look at the NFL through a player personnel perspective, looking at teams, looking at matchups, looking at the NFL draft. You can catch us on Move the Sticks, nfl.com slash podcast, as well as iTunes. The Around the NFL podcast. Still thinks about the gold standard sometimes. Each time the wind blows.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes: Patrick Claybon, what? Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Patrick Claybon is the news anchor. And that is the official job title. I checked. He's the only started. one.
2: Yeah, uh, we've got one. I, I can't believe you guys let me up here. That. It's great to
3: have you here, Patrick. <laughs> Claybon <clears throat> thats Claibon—is the guy. As you, if you're googling right now, like, oh, <laughs> who's Patrick Hale? He's the guy that's on. First TV. First of all, don't. <laughs> Literally, he's on NFL Network, probably more than anyone, right? In terms of percentage of hours of of coverage of the NFL, to
2: maybe like in terms of like individual snippets, right? Of- like the, but you know your the face is
4: probably on NFL Network more than any other face. That yeah, you accurate? do the updates at the at the top of the hour. Here's some breaking news, or if some big trade happens, you're usually kind of like the guy in the bullpen, and it's the reason you have such a great relationship with you know the around the NFL crew. You're sitting right next to them. You're just yeah. waiting for them to call you up, Coach. Big breaking news happens. Claybon's on.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's almost like the State of the Union, and if if we get something bad happens and, like, 12 people go down. It's like, oh, man, we got to get Patrick.
3: We did. This was a uh, also a <laughs> last-second last edition.
2: You
3: know, we Mark is at the NFL annual meeting, uh, which and we're going to get Mark on the phone a little bit later. And literally, this is the latest the guest has ever come <laughs> to get involved with the show.
2: You guys were walking upstairs, and I was like, "Hey, well, I, I noticed Mark's not here." <laughs> <laughs> that's
4: a great way to be. That's, that's a great good, idea. Greasy wheel.
2: No, is it the wheel
3: that's greasy gets <laughs> the squeaks?
2: It's between <laughs> <squeaky> grease no. <laughs> between grease and squeaks. All is evenly applied, I believe. Um,
4: but welcome, Patrick. It's great to have you on the show today. It's uh, nice to have someone. You know, now Dan Dan is always very confident he's got the best voice in the room. Mm. And now he's got no, some major competition. No,
2: not at all. It's it's Dan one hundred percent. That's a beautiful voice, Claybon has. Yeah, Plus I'm, I'm a little under the
3: weather after a Vegas trip this weekend, which maybe we'll get to a little <laughs> bit later. Um so I'm not operating at peak uh vocal
4: Efficiency.
3: Efficiency, <laughs> thank you. Good show today. I like Or mental efficiency. Yeah, or mental efficiency as you can tell. Good show today coming up. We are going to hit all the news. Um, around the annual meeting right now. uh, What's going on? You know, free agency, week three of free agency. Or or is it over, Wes? Is free agency just kind of over? It's been over since, like, the second day. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But there are guys, there's still signings going down. And, you know, of course, the Kaepernick thing's still hanging over several teams. Uh, But we're going to get into the news all around the league. Also, uh, as I said, we're going to give Mark Sessler the sizzler also known as the Quiet Storm, a phone call. He is in Boca Raton. I mean, this is just Sizzler in, in heaven. This is Mark's – this is his peaceful place. He's on his own. He's getting to be out in the mix, uh, talking to different GMs and coaches. He doesn't have to be sitting in his cubicle. He's got nothing else to worry about but He's the three of
4: other responsibilities, any life responsibilities. He can just be an intrepid reporter.
3: This is his dream, and we'll ask him about that because I think <laughs> – The exact like schematics of today, for instance, from the moment he wakes up until he goes to bed. This is almost a perfect day for Mark. We'll get into it. He'll probably take offense. It'll be fun. (laughs) We'll also um, talk about a segment called The Darkest Timeline where we pick out some scenarios, realistic, plausible potential scenarios around some NFL teams that would have um, terrible effects on the franchise in the 2016 season, season if it um, the scenario came to fruition. Uh, so, I mean, that's not the most, um, you know, happy topic. But we got to look. Well, at, there will be moves made by teams in this month that will ruin their season. It's just the way it is. And next month, the draft as well. For the next two months, this is where the gravy gets made i like it the doom gravy i call it
2: and it's it's happy in terms of we're looking at it, this these things could not happen so yeah this is the
4: darkest timeline yeah, maybe dark, you'll have yeah. a light so, timeline so maybe maybe Positive. if
3: we have nothing to talk about there'll be the brightest timeline right <laughs> but that's not as fun nobody likes right? happy
1: right was sure <laughs>
3: By the way, Wes, very, very uh, feisty today.
1: <laughs> I don't know where you <laughs> got this idea from. I,
3: well, I've heard Wes start arguments with seven people today since you've been in.
1: <laughs> you've only heard
3: one. I've been involved. I'm always tracking things. Yes, many, including me. There was
1: one about the soft, the yeah. NFL Media softball team. Yes, and that's the only one. I,
3: I have eyes on talent. I'm the manager of the NFL Media softball team. There is a particular <laughs> woman that works at NFL Media. You I won't say you her you name. Stop now. Whatever going uh, no, on. That sorry. I am of the belief, based on a conversation, is very talented and we need her on the team at all costs. Wes says, no, you've never seen her play.
1: Why would you assume? My, my whole thing is that since you started this, you are already assuming who's good and who's not, mm-hmm. and you have no idea by how they move about the newsroom, if they're good mm-hmm. players or not. I think you should hold off on decisions until you see these people that, on the that's field. A, that's fair. But this is, what I, this is
3: what I'm getting at. So, you know, we got into an argument about that.
1: Dan, and- I have. Seventeen years of softball coaching experience. How Whoa,
4: this is the real doing. thing. He wants the GM job. He
3: wants the coaching job. It's a coup. Then Greg, you got into, uh, you oh, got yeah. into. It with where
1: did less, we? Where did we uh, like Multiple things. Well, that's because Gre- the biggest story of the day, Greg we, decided, was not a story. No, so, I, are we'll we, get
4: to it. Are we going to add that to the show? Case Keenum. Are we putting that in the top? We should lead with it. We'll yeah. talk about we're Case on Keenum. Yeah. So, on
3: and then there was another person that you were feuding with on some level. I can't. I can't remember anymore. This
1: is feisty West, it's good. Didn't happen.
3: It's good. It's very good. I we'll love just that last one.
1: <laughs> it didn't even happen. Just making it <laughs> When I spell. think
3: of it, I will say who it is. Uh, so that's the show today. And uh, let's start by going behind the glass now, saying hi to the Irishman, Brandon McGinnis. Dan, how are you doing? How was your St. Patrick's Day?
4: Oh, it was very good. After I mean, we taped early, got yeah. out of here, had a nice time. You have a Guinness? Of course. Dan, I got to ask though. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, current situation with my roster spot?
3: Oh, oh wow. You know what? It's it's funny you ask that because first of all, of course you can be involved with the uh, tryout process, uh, <laughs> but we've had enough people wow. we've had enough people ask Whoa. that I can't say yes to everyone at this
5: point.
1: Whoa! Like, uh,
2: I didn't take tryout that, process.
1: I
5: didn't take that as a slight.
1: Any, I take any
2: roster request that starts with first of all.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about about like what a week ago.
3: Yeah. I haven't had an update yet. Uh, it's definitely something that's on my mind, and it's, it's I have it written sort down. Sort of
1: fascinated how he gets tryout process, mm. and this other woman that you were talking about is already like the starting second baseman or whatever. Well, you know what? A challenge accepted. Sometimes. Uh, I'll prove it to you, Dan. That's all right.
3: Sometimes you just, as a manager, you got to go with your gut. You're more like a, a Moneyball guy in metrics and <laughs> no, studying <I'm> not. <laughs> the notebook.
1: No, I, like, I go oh, with my eye. I
2: but see But you it. have to see it
1: first.
3: She's got it. She's got what it takes. The special something. <laughs>
2: All right, let's do some news. Florida Stanley smiles. Florida Stanley is happy to go to work. Florida Stanley is who you want on your Florida team.
3: All right, anybody know? No idea.
4: No idea. Stanley from the. Come on, it's always the office with me. Now Mark is in Florida working in Florida. Wow,
3: was that late period office though? Mm, Very late period. Okay, see, I don't even really recognize late period office as something that existed. And that's as a huge American office fan. I
4: understand. And I actually spliced in Mark with my voice, and it didn't sound very well. So <laughs> ah, we missed that.
3: That See, that's good producer effort, though.
4: Yeah, it just would have failed.
3: So Pick up the chisels. Get back up on the mountainside. That's right. Let's start with the news. And uh, do you want to talk about Case Keenum first? Let's start it. Let's make Wes happy. Well,
1: since it's the biggest story of the day.
2: Debate number one.
3: I love that. See, not only – this is why this was such a good debate, because not only – um, did West believe it belonged
4: to the show? He thought it was the lead story, and Greg was like, "I don't even know if we should do. We should talk about it." I didn't. Why? Well, it just didn't even occur to me. I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal. We're talking about Les Snead on NFL HQ this morning. Said going into OTAs, Case Keenum is their starting Here's quarterback. The exact it quote. Seems self-evident.
3: The exact quote here from Les Snead, the general manager: "Case is going to come in and be our star- starting quarterback." at the beginning of OTAs, he earned it. We are we are we we were a slumping football team at the end of last year. He comes in and wins three out of four wins and basically drove us down to kick a game-winning field goal to win 4th Street, and we missed it.
1: Wes, what do you think that means? Does that mean he's the week one starter? Let me explain why this is a big story. So at the season-ending press conference, Les Sneed basically said he's ahead of Nick Foles in the depth chart. He'll enter the offseason as a starter. Any reasonable fan would have gone, okay, surely the Rams are not going to enter the 2016 season with Case Keem as their starting quarterback. They have free agency to go through. They have trades they could possibly do. And he has left bread- breadcrumbs throughout. At the Combine, he said, oh, we've got all these studies that tell you how you can go 7-9 and nine without a starting quarterback. <laughs> Basically, he did not say that. That's so my. You're par- adding the seven. And that's nine my part. paraphrasing of what he said at the combine. <laughs> Imagine a guy
2: pouring stuff. Well, the he, beaters.
4: he also here's another thing that was said at the NFL combine a month ago. Case Keenum is our starter. So it's like, okay, he's still the. No, so what happened since then? Nothing. Free agency, right? But he we could have.
1: I think any reasonable NFL fan or anybody watching any Rams fan was like, okay, Mike Glennon's still out there. Colin Kaepernick's still out there. Ryan Fitzpatrick's still out there. Maybe the Rams go and get one of these guys instead of starting a third-string maybe quarterback they who was concussed last year because he's too small to play the position.
4: Maybe they will. I mean, I wouldn't say him saying this rules that out. He also said Sam Bradford was their starter going into last season, and then they traded him. I mean, what are your options at this point? The bigger
3: picture, though, and and Patrick, maybe I was curious. what so you think about this. No matter what it is, the, the idea of they are now at this point in time saying that Case Keenum's a starter, this all seems so silly to me that they're actually talking themselves into this as a possibility. It's Case Keenum!
2: I think they've they've waded into the, the first step of, of acceptance, and now the <laughs> idea is, is to explain it. To, to everybody and say, well, yeah, this is I'm going to rationalize why Case Keenum is our guy because he got those QB wins uh, at the end of last year, <laughs> which are the best way to determine how good somebody a, is at playing a position.
3: That's a it's little like, bit of a La Raville Magnifico of the general manager by the way. He should know more than anyone that you can't just hang team wins on a quarterback's performance.
2: But but he can. He, he's not he's not doing it, but he wants at least somebody to say well, yeah, he's right. Case Keenum wins football games, and so that's an okay thing. Well, they've, Case Keenum is going to be our quarterback.
4: Well, they've, wa- they've looked around, and they see what's out there on free agency, and they clearly weren't excited about anyone that was available. They haven't made any inquiries as far as we know. They're not interested in Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're not interested in RG3. They'd rather have Case Keenum. Like, that doesn't offend me necessarily. So the team that was really excited about Nick Foles last year is not excited
1: about anyone available this year.
4: Right. So Maybe we should trust their quarterback judgment. Right, we shouldn't. But it doesn't surprise me that Case Keenum's their guy. And we still have the draft to go.
1: By the way, Case Keenum, who could not beat out Nick Foles in training camp last year.
4: But he didn't have a – did he have a chance? They weren't really competing. He was, well, it seems to me you competing. Should be
1: pretty open-minded. If you think he's that good now, why weren't you as open-minded and as you should have been last year? Maybe Case yeah.
2: Keenum is really cool. Like, he's a really good <laughs> guy. Maybe. And Les doesn't want to go out <laughs> trashing this guy. And he says, hey, you know, Case Keenum did good things. He's a person.
3: Some – under and under uh, hashtag wins, he's lost 10 of 15 starts <laughs> in his career. <laughs> so you can't really –
1: Not only a small sample either. size, but also recency bias. But it it's trending up. Uh,
4: well, they also – they they have the draft coming up. They have Sean Mannion on the roster. Come on. Mano. Who knows? <laughs> Come on. Sean O the Mano. They got to draft. Maybe they'll draft they someone. They've literally said three <laughs> words about that guy since they drafted I guess – Part of my point was He's him guy. him saying this this week doesn't mean to me that they're not trading for Mike Glennon. I mean, they might be trading for Mike Glennon. Who who really? Sure, does? that's Just fine. Just because they said this doesn't mean they're not gonna do that's that. That's
1: fine. I prefer my theory, which is the Rams come up, they concoct new ways in creative ways, and they should get credit for this to finish seven and nine every
4: single mm. season in perpetuity. Well, I think we can all be right on this. They're not mutually exclusive answers. They could be. But- they can be totally clueless, as, and this can be meaningless all in one. As we just proved, well worth talking about. though. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Good combo, guys. Thank you, Dan. Feisty. It's so weird, though, because literally Chris Wesseling is, was the biggest fan of Case Keenum in the country. Whoa. Was a, a year time. or two ago. As Wes has
3: clarified, it's ho- more like a late season shot in the arm solution. It was right?
4: also. We should find some tape. It was go also go back and find some good ones.
1: In comparison to the human pick six, Matt Schaub, who was the alternative to Case Keenum at the time, he was a lot more fun to watch.
3: There, what I do believe this is two years ago. There might have been some Tony Romo comparisons thrown around at one point.
1: <laughs> poor man's Tony <laughs> Romo, yeah. yeah.
3: All right, what kind of
1: poor man? The destitute man. <laughs> I No collarbones. I'm sad sad because I wanted
4: the Rams to capture Wes's heart. They're moving to L.A. It's not going to happen. And uh, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen.
1: It's not going to happen.
4: All right, let's move on. Uh, Russell Okung,
3: um, offensive tackle, former first-round pick of the Seahawks, hit free agency um, this year, looking to make big money, and he's doing it without an agent. So he's looking to save that three percent, the initial uh, agreement that we heard about. He signed with the Broncos a five-year, fifty-three million dollar deal. Sounds pretty good, yeah. Mr. Claybourne, right?
2: Yeah. However,
3: a little digging uh, makes the contract very interesting. <laughs> uh, Okun signed a one, this is what it actually is a one-year deal worth five million, uh, which includes a four-year, forty-eight million dollar team option. A team source uh, told NFL media insider Ian Rappaport um zero guaranteed money so uh the broncos later confirm confirm the deal so this almost feels like and I hope it works out for Russell Okung but feels like a cautionary tale about why
4: it's good to have an agent right yeah i mean they're they're going against negotiators they're going against people whose job it is to negotiate big time contracts if you're the person on the broncos side of the ledger it's like a professional baseball player going up against some Patsy who plays on the weekend. So it's it's not a surprise or that they're going to be excited. Or Master P. <laughs> or Master P. <laughs> yes, <got laughs> a, that's like the ultimate bad deal, right? Master Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Williams', Williams rookie deal. contract that under said, Master P. That said, I think people are piling on this a little too much because a lot of it's coming from the agents. Yeah, they're very self-interested mm, in saying, Oh, let's, mm, let's pick on yeah, Russell. Cook. It,
2: there's never going to be a shortage of agents willing to expound on how great having an agent is. They're, they're they're always going to be always going to be there, and there's guys. Uh, you know, Ray Allen did it in the NBA for a while. That that have made it work, but this is just an example of a guy. I, I, part of it is probably a deal he'd like to have back, and, and part of it is a guy who's betting on himself.
4: Right, he is, and it's a little misleading to say there's no guaranteed money. He has a million dollar workout bonus, so if he just shows up to his workouts, he's getting paid a million. What if he gets caught in traffic? Yeah, or or he got hurt or something. Have crazy. you
1: considered that he's had a? competitive disadvantage in contract talks, because as a player, he's not allowed to even talk to these teams during the legal tampering period.
4: Right. Wow. Yeah. So he had to wait until it start, which started everything late. It's a very similar deal to the one Kelvin Beecham got, which no one's really talking about, uh, It would, but he okay. signed a one year, $4 million deal. They can go to five. It's basically the same deal. And then the team has the option to pick up four more years. The difference is Beecham basically got his first year is more or less guaranteed. But Okung's a better player, and yeah, he would have done better. He would have done better if he had an agent. I think it's pretty obvious. But it's a big signing for Denver. We haven't really talked – we hadn't talked about this move at all just in terms of the signing. Ryan Clady's now out there and probably will get cut or traded, and Russell Okung's a big addition for a team that's lost a lot this they're week. They're overhauling their entire offensive line, it seems. They signed
1: Donald Stevenson to play right tackle, moved Ty Sombrello their for their second-round pick last year, I think, inside the guard. So looks like they're going to – I think there'll be a run-first team, and they're going to pound
2: the ball. A team that was barely holding the line together. Uh, yeah. Patchwork last year and wound up winning the Super Bowl. So.
4: Right. It, it really – the Broncos thing really took care of a lot of cliches about winning the Super Bowl and stuff. Like, you know, gotta it start. It all starts up front. Well, up front they were terrible. They were pretty terrible <laughs> the whole year, and they were on their fourth and fifth string. And you got to have a quarterback to win in this league. Their quarterbacks were among the worst quarterbacks in the league. Uh, meanwhile, on the throne of ease – The New England Patriots have yet to
3: give up on getting back that draft pick that they lost. The first round pick is part of the uh, Deflategate scandal. Uh, Bob Kraft said Monday that he sent a letter to the commish, uh, Roger Goodell, uh, about a month ago, asking for the NFL to overturn the penalties related to last year's deflated football scandal. Here's the quote from Kraft. I personally wrote a letter to the commissioner, responding to his comment that if any new facts came up, he would take them into consideration. I personally believe when the league made their decision, they did not factor in the ideal gas law. They admitted that publicly last year. <laughs> I keep on hearing ideal gas law. It's one of those things. How can I take this seriously? If you
2: say it over and over again, people will think that it, it has a point.
3: <laughs> the ideal gas law.
1: I, hey Rog, did you think about the ideal gla- gas law? Come on. To this day, the most stunning thing I've seen in the NFL that the Patriots lost a first-round draft pick for throwing a slightly infla- deflated football. Just insane to me that they lost a first-round pick for that.
3: Oh, that's where you were also arguing with Shaq about the Patriots. You were ah.
2: yelling in the middle of the newsroom with him.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Feisty. See, you're feisty today. I also got into it with Ely.
2: There we go. That's
1: right, over a tweet that went wrong.
2: We're up to four. Okay, Four come on.
1: I don't take any of them seriously. They're all just joking it's around. Feisty, that's all.
2: I just like that people send letters. Uh, not, <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine that a letter to Roger Goodell might get like lost or. I think it's handwritten. Yeah, it's probably uh, there's a wax seal where he's, he's talking about the first <laughs> round. The raven deliver it. Yeah, <laughs> just it... Hedwig <laughs> flies through the door.
4: I like that. Well, the Patriot. They even if you listen to Kraft talk, he he knows they're not going to give him the first-round pick. He he seems pretty aware of it. I mean, literally at the exact same time as this is happening, the NFL is appealing to overturn the suspension and thinks they're going to win. So why would they Why would they change their mind on the punishment just because of new information that's come out? Other the NFL than,
1: thinks they're going to win?
4: Well, I don't know if they think they're going to win, oh. but a lot of people watching it think there's there's a chance <laughs> that they'll win. And they're battling to do it. Why would you do it if they don't think they're going to win? I else, don't know. Wasting well, money. I also saw –
3: some tweets about um if he were to reverse this decision this would leave the league open to get maybe questioned on somehow on other levels of this whole mess. So yeah, I don't think that first round pick's coming back. Uh in other news. The NFL, you know, listen, it's an American sport. Right. But they're looking to make it global. Breaking. You love the globe, right, Greg? I, I would love
4: to travel. I know you don't like the rest of the world.
3: I like love stay. I love the world. I love our listeners. I just – traveling <laughs> not my, my favorite thing to do. Like everyone's – oh, I'd love to get to, you know, Spain this year.
1: I'm oh, okay. Have you ever spent, like, half a day just looking at a globe?
3: No, have you? <laughs> yeah. What do you – what was your takeaway?
1: Well, I mean, there are countries that are maybe not where you thought they were, or countries you never heard of. To me, I, I love globes and maps. But do you,
3: do you like traveling?
1: Yes, Patrick. I wish I had the money to do it
2: more. If I could teleport, uh, I'd be huge. On <laughs> See,
3: travel. I'm with you uh, on that too. And the, if I knew every language,
2: yeah, no, the language barrier is huge. It scares me the language barrier. I, I rented a car in, in Costa Rica from some guy named Danny in straight cash. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I, otherwise, I would have been completely stranded.
3: <laughs> that guy was shady. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <Danny>. so, <laughs> the league uh, is returning to Mexico City in 2016, as we already knew. Uh, But according to NFL media's Albert Breer, uh, there could be a regular season game in China as early as 2018 and Germany in 2017. Uh, That development on uh, China was first reported by Fox. Uh, But that is thinking
4: big. Well, they tried to do this a while ago. Remember, the Patriots were going to play in China and then they delayed it and then they canceled it. I don't know why. The Patriots also had an office in China, which seems bizarre. And that has since closed. Seems That's a, little, a little shady,
3: little <laughs> sneaky, evil,
4: something like that. They were gonna, they thought it was we gonna. be have got an big office big business, in China.
3: <laughs> you think there's any chance the Patriots' uh, hidden office in China had legitimate business going on in it? Let's be honest. Let's be fair. <laughs>
4: They're trying to grow the game. Something was grow going some on fans. There. Well, Germany has got the. If any, uh, if anyone got the raw end of NFL Europe closing, it was Germany. They loved their American football. Right. The Rhine fire. And why haven't we been back there? I want to go to Germany and China. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to Japan next week, right? That's right. Worldwide, so, Greg. But Germany, yeah, my brother is actually a German citizen. Wow. Damn. So he could, uh, maybe he could come. Tell us about your relationship with your brother. <laughs> We're close. <laughs> We're good. I've
3: never met him. No. I met yeah, your parents he's not out here too. I met your wife, your children. Yeah, he's
4: not out here too often, but we have a good we have a good relationship, you know. It's been some things over the years, but we've always been pretty close.
3: You know, and Wes, you could speak to this. It's not hard, it's not easy being brothers. I don't know, Patrick, if you have any older. Uh, it's just tough. Yeah, have gotta work through some things. It's just it's a lot of work sometimes.
2: There, there's I think there's always that point in any brother and brother relationship and mm. it it all depends on how you go after that mm. point.
3: That's a good point. And That's uh,
2: true. For some, it's better than the others.
3: Uh, wait, are we hinting at the brother podcast coming up later this year? <laughs> <laughs> coming up, check out the brotherly love podcast. Uh, in other news, Darrell Rivas uh, under the knife. This is kind of a interesting story, a little wrinkle that I heard after the original post that we wrote Friday. He's sidelined two to three months by wrist, uh, wrist surgery, uh, an injury uh, reportedly that he suffered his way back as week three, played through it. Didn't really show up on the injury report, uh, which would say, "Oh, are the Jets going to get banged on this and have to pay a fine? But apparently Revis didn't report the wrist injury uh, at the end of season checkout, uh, and the team, the Jets just found out about it last week, so now he goes under the knife, and he he's expected to be ready by training camp. I don't see it. He's a 10-year veteran. I don't see it as a big deal that he's going to miss the offseason training program, but he's your best, highest-paid player. I'd rather Darrell Revis not have uh, his wrist cut open by surgical tools, but that's what's going on with Darrell Revis. Any I, thoughts, anybody?
4: Well, i uh, if the Patriots had this sort of news, you'd be playing some sort of silly theme song <laughs> with <laughs> aliens invading and things crashing. Basically, the Jets don't have a starting quarterback. We're a couple weeks into free agency. Their best player, which they're paying uh, $17 million to be a B-minus facsimile of what he was oh, the last B-minus, time he okay. was with the cool. team. Now is undergoing surgery. Don't
1: forget that their franchise player has a broken leg and may or may not be ready for Week One, or may or may
4: not be traded. Ooh, that's <laughs> another one. That's good. Do we have any? Are we got to come up with some Jets crap. Well, maybe not. You can do whatever you want. Okay.
3: I mean, I, I'm I'd be totally fine if you want to work with Brandon towards some type of uh, Jets drops. I know you don't like drops. It's called much, a production element. Yeah, production element. That <laughs> <laughs> Wes doesn't like that name. Uh, I'm wide open and okay. You know, I can deal with it. All right. You can spoon it out and take it, you know, that whole thing. Moving on. Hugh Jackson, uh, the Browns are connected with uh, Robert Griffin III now. Uh, He visited with the team. Griffin, of course, visited with the Jets a week earlier. Hugh Jackson called it a great meeting, the coach of the Browns. I think he's obviously a tremendous talent and a great young man. Uh, I told Steve Weiss, our own Steve Weiss, uh, I'm going to get into this a little later in our darkest timeline discussion, but I'm just thinking, uh, seeing what you guys think is that this, is this a move that the, the Browns should seriously consider? Do they want to be the team that tries to fix Robert Griffin III?
2: Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, considering the way things have gone, um, and like we, we mentioned the, the possible darkest timeline implications, <laughs> but, but why not? Uh, you, have gone into what? with, with hope that Johnny Manziel will be your starting quarterback. So
4: yeah, but how did that work out? What do you mean? Why not? The why not would be what is Robert Griffin, you know, Robert Griffin III's 2014 season would be why not, and then him getting benched last season. Well, he he
2: got he got benched, and we can say that those circumstances around his benching aren't aren't really parallel to other benching circumstances in in the NFL.
4: What using uh, a concussion as an excuse to bench a guy? Basically, that's how I kind of. What are you saying, Greg, about the organization? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not saying anything about the organization. I'm saying they wanted to play Kirk Cousins. I don't think that's that's pretty obvious. Yeah, they
2: they didn't want to play RG three. Right. Al- also, and so those those two things. I don't think
4: they could play RG three. He was a broken quarterback.
2: And so if if you're if you're taking a chance, you you're, you're going to take a chance on anybody. Whether you draft somebody, whether you bring in RG three. Uh, but I, I think there is at, l- at least some video evidence that, that RG3 can be a serviceable quarterback mm. in the National in,
4: Football League. Claiborne's still buying in on RG3. I like that. That video I'm evidence intrigued is, It's by a few him. years old. Yeah, me, I'm but.
1: intrigued by him, but he's not physically the same player anymore. Well,
2: who is?
4: Well, he. I think you could make the argument that he relied on, on that physical ability and more than – more than other quarterbacks, and if you diminish that by 15%, 20%, then you take away a lot of his game. I'm more worried about this. Look, coaches, I don't think they have some weird agenda with RG3. They're just desperate to keep their jobs, and they did not think RG3 could help them keep their jobs, Mike Shanahan and and Jay Gruden.
2: No, Mike, Mike Shanahan is, is still mad. Right. <laughs> Obviously, at RG3, he has he has the blood feud uh, well, going on. Well, he'll go RG3
1: on. has more reason to be mad at Shanahan than, than Buckford. Sure. First-
2: For sure. You've got Shanahan going on John's radio AM 430 in right. Hoboken to to talk about um, I think, how awful RG3 is. I not to, to
4: mention putting him on the field with a busted leg. They, the Browns would have to be very anxious, even if they really were sold on RG3 and liked the idea about just adding that this sort of guy as their quarterback again, like this big story that's not necessarily that a real starter in the NFL, like just getting back on that after the two years with Johnny.
3: Uh, In other news, Chris Johnson will remain with the Arizona Cardinals. NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported Thursday that Johnson uh, will return to the cards on a one-year deal worth $3 million. Um, Rappaport also reported Johnson turned down nearly double that amount for another team. Uh, The Dolphins were interested in Chris Johnson. The Dolphins are interested in a lot of running backs that aren't signing with the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> at, at, at what point uh, should a friend of the podcast, Mike Tannenbaum, get w- worried, Greg, that
4: they might not get a running back in this market? On one hand, it's embarrassing. I mean, they wanted C.J. Anderson. They didn't get him. They wanted Chris Johnson. They didn't get him. Supposedly, Chris Johnson turned down more money from Miami to go play for the Cardinals, which is also embarrassing. On the other hand, I like Jay Ajayi. Like, is Jay Ajayi worse than Lamar Miller? I don't I know. I knew you'd get a Lamar Miller and crack in there somehow. <laughs> is he worse than Lamar Miller? I don't know. I, I thought he looked pretty good. I don't know why they're so de- – I guess you need more than just Jay Ajayi. That That's obvious. But I, I wouldn't be – if of all the things the Dolphins could panic about, Dolphins fans rather, uh, this would not be high on my list. Shocking that the Dolphins were chasing a big
1: name again. Right. I, I don't they know. To me, like, the Cardinals get credit because when no one wanted Chris Johnson, they took a chance on him. They had to recoup his value, and now a team like the Dolphins, which is kind of run backwards, they're going to go get him after the Cardinals recouped his value. I don't know. To me, if you're smart, get him the year before he recoups his value, and not
3: the year after. Any team that is partly owned by Gloria Stefan or really any member of the <laughs> uh, Miami Sound Machine, it's just you have to wonder, like, where are they coming from? Is it the right angle when you're trying to build a championship ball club?
2: I just, uh, I just like that uh, Chris Johnson is uh, <laughs> supports the was good at football and video evidence theory that, um, you know, this guy.
4: Well, he was good last year. That's, for, that's, for what, five I, or that's six what I'm saying, weeks, right? And, and
2: before that. This yeah. was a guy whose that's skills fair. had diminished. Wait. We were concerned if he was going to be able to continue. And then it turns out he's he's pretty good. And then his, his rookie backup turns out to be the most explosive cat we've seen in a long time.
4: Yeah, that's, that's fair. Of all the things, like the Dolphins seem a little backwards on a lot of things. Another one was something I read over the weekend that they anticipate Andre Branch will be their starting defensive end. And Cameron Wake, who are they are paying an outrageous amount of money to keep, will be coming off the bench. What? Well, I, He's 34 years old coming off the bench. Sounds bad the way you put it. Well, the fact that they were stuck in a corner and they felt like they had to keep Wake because of his contract. Nobody puts he, a Stefan in the corner. In the end, basically, you watched Olivier Vernon and Derek Shelby leave while you're signing uh, Mario Williams, Andre Branch, and paying Cameron Wake a ton of money. That It just seems like a weird yeah. thing as, when you take it all as one big group. Could phrase it as Cameron Wake's not a good run defender, so they're going to use him on obvious
1: passing downs, which you would use, which you would do for a 34-year-old pass rusher. Or you could just find a way. Or you could just
4: have cut him. Or you could and have wow. kept Olivier Vernon.
3: <laughs> um, by the way, how obvious? I mean, wow.
4: I mean, they made <laughs> the, they made a decision to to keep him for all that money. That's all I'm saying. As a, as a
2: situational pass rusher, that you know those guys warrant some money, right? In, well, in why wouldn't situations.
4: you cut? I think he's the highest-paid player on the team. Other than Tannehill and Sue,
3: why wouldn't you cut Cameron Wake and make a bigger effort to re-sign Olivia Vernon? That's what I am
4: saying, or even Derek Derek <coughs> Shelby. Keep you know. By the way, how ob-
3: how obvious is it going to be when in about a month or two the Dolphins make a way too big offer for Arian Foster, big old name brand? <laughs> Give me that big old name brand. I want that shiny toy. Yeah. Uh, finally, um, some very sad news out of um, Baltimore Ravens camp: cornerback Trey Walker. Died Friday from injuries he sustained in a dirt bike crash in Florida on Thursday night. Uh, he was 23 years old. Walker did not um, play much last season, uh, but he um, was born in 92, attended Miami Western Senior High School, uh, was teammates with Teddy Bridgewater and Amari Cooper, uh, uh, but unfortunately passed away on Friday um, and very sad day for the Ravens organization.
4: Yeah, really sad it's one of those it's one of those stories like if he was a guy that we knew more it's like then that suddenly would be some huge some much even bigger NFL story but we didn't know much but either way just listening to the the people on the team that interacted with him and Teddy Bridgewater just like the impact that this kid made on their lives i still think I don't know it always it's always a bummer, yeah. of course, I think it's it's stating the obvious but it, it's sad,
2: and there's so many times where something like this happens and you you get to know somebody mm-hmm. kind of post mortem and you find out things like his his father passed away right after he was he was drafted, he dedicated his rookie season to him and it's just that that family's gone through so much and uh at the, at the very least we we get to find out about somebody we might not have you know been aware of, uh, unfortunately coming through his death though yes
3: um all right, so that's it uh, for the news. Uh, we wanted we want to talk to uh, Mark Sessler about, oh, yeah. about the NFL annual meeting visit there. Asking if he's done any jogging there. But before we do that, let's hit a little eight o'clock sunshine speed round. Patrick Leavitt. Eight o'clock okay. delight. Speed Come round. On. Okay. Oh, da- wait! Kill the music. I want to I want to set it up right. Oh wow. Eight o'clock delight. delight. Writing it down so it gets in my head forever. And now let's do it. It's a speed round, Patrick Claybon.
1: <clears throat> Eight o'clock delight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yes, Darrelle Revis had surgery. So, so did Joe Hayden, the Browns' cornerback, recovering from ankle surgery this is the last thing you want to hear right Wes? no more bad news for the
1: browns they're saying he might not be ready for week one that's a concern oh my god uh former jets
3: wide receiver jeremy curley signed a one-year deal with the detroit lions no more megatron problem right patrick claybon no it's
2: it's our. we just lose one of the best to ever do it so we we got jeremy curley now everything's all good
3: curl bomb uh james starks the running back uh, took a look around in free agency decided he's going to stick with the Packers a two-year, $6 million deal Greg Rosenthal. I feel
4: like James Starks will be the backup running back in Green Bay for the, re- the end of time, the rest of eternity Doesn't seem like a bad gig No uh,
3: Jaguars uh, have hired defensive coaching legend, Monty Kiffin the godfather of the Tampa two, uh, is a uh, 76-year-old man, It's not too old to be coaching in the NFL Do you say so?
4: (laughs) What do you think, Greg? 76? (laughs) Too old? I don't know. His defenses looked pretty old the last time he was in the NFL. Not a lot of success for old Monty. Still got it. Just saying. Still got it, Monty. Now known as Lane's dad. That's sad.
2: We've come full circle. That's true.
3: Um, Steve Belichick is a guy. That's not Bill Belichick. Uh, The Patriots have promoted him to
4: safety's coach. His oldest son championship. (laughs) Forget Josh McDaniels. Now we got the succession plan. It goes right to Steve Belichick. When Bill retires. Everybody should check out Mark Sessler's high octane
1: profile on Steve Belichick from a year or two ago. Just Google that bad boy. Steve-O. Yeah.
3: Sessler in a big spot. Love it. Succession plan. Love it. Donna Ponte. Ooh, this is an interesting thing. Greg had some hot take downstairs. Donna Ponte of the Dolphins says we will there will absolutely be a female GM one day, Greg. Well, you're hitting it's me at more the end of the speed
4: round for this. This is a nuanced conversation.
3: You, no, <laughs> you need to get it exactly right in 30 seconds. You say there will be a U.S. president before a female GM. Well, that himself. that
4: seems obvious because we have a, a favorite that's a, that's a female. But I yeah, I said some of the obstacles I think hmm. to become female president might be even lower than it would be to female GM. I thought you were that's talking about it would be. team
1: president. No, i was talking about a U.S. president. All
2: right. The obstacles are the same, I guess, for both.
3: I mean, mean, the NFL, we still got a way to go. It's kind of an old boys
4: club still. That's a tough business. Whoever. (laughs) So is America. Whoever. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Whoever gets. Whoever is the first female GM will have earned it. That's for sure. She'll have to battle through a lot of BS.
3: Let's hear more on women's issues, Greg. (laughs) How much time do we have about Brandon? Just a little bit. All right. Tell, tell me about your thoughts on women, <laughs>
4: I thought the uh, the oh, Indian sorry. Wells president way out of line. There we go.
3: <laughs> Nailed it. 8 o'clock delight complete. Wow, he got bailed out by the music. There.
4: Another, uh, another uh, Miami Dolphins owner that reminds me, you know, C- Serena and Venus Williams. Both We're Williams doing sisters. A great, doing a great job in ownership.
3: Fergie. <laughs> Estefan. I don't know if anybody else from the Miami Sound Machine, but it's a real interesting thing that's going on down there in Miami.
2: I don't know as many Sound Machine members as I should.
1: Do, do you know any besides Gloria <laughs> Stefan? Negative. I don't think Carl does. Peters
2: on keyboard wasn't Gloria <laughs> Tony Se- Richie on drums.
4: I don't know. These Neg- all oh,
1: you had me. <laughs> I believe that. I was eat it up. Gloria Stefan's husband was in Miami Sound Machine.
4: I think you're absolutely right. Claybone's going to be the co-host. Then Dan's gullibility podcast. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> coming up later this offseason. Oh,
3: two spoons. I ate that only at NFL.com. All right, let's get. Uh, The quiet storm on the horn. Uh, Mark is in Boca Raton for the NFL annual meetings, talking to people, writing up copy. Mark, you there, buddy?
5: I am present. How are you?
4: Doesn't that sound like a guy at peace and at ease right now? Is that what I am? Well, Dan Dan was talking. He posited the theory, and I think there's a lot to it, that this this sort of day, this sort of week is Mark Sessler in his element. Uh, a sunny locale, some intrepid reporting, you're on your own. Not not some cubicle under fluorescent lighting. Might be a couple drinks at night. You know, there's just a little bit of everything to make the sizzler sizzle.
5: I think it's a great event. I mean, I, it, of all of them, I certainly enjoy coming here. Uh, it's very different than the other ones. I think from a job angle, kind of an emerging storyline this week for some of the reporters is that the league, whether maybe it's just the layout here at the hotel, the league has done a nice job uh, probably from their angle of getting the NFL coaches and GMs as far away and decentralized from writers as yeah. I've ever seen in the four years that I've been here. So yeah. it's, well, you've, it's, a,
3: yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say you've shared stories in the past of like seeing uh, Bill Belichick in his swim trunks and flippers heading towards the pool in the lobby, things like that. Uh, you're not seeing, you're not, not as many cameos.
5: Well, they're certainly here. I think that's another element to it. They're here on vacation with their wives and kids. And there is a little bit of that. Um, but I think the one that Greg and I went to when we went jogging together and <laughs> shared such a special time, the layout there was, was particularly helpful for reporters. I think this place that we're in, I think it was built in the early 1900s, and it is a giant, like, labyrinthian maze. And it takes about, you know, 10 minutes to walk from where we're working to where... These guys are sort of floating around, so it's the same deal. It's you got you got like Jake Glazer at a chair just holding court with like multiple coaches <laughs> at the same time. But if you're just a run of the mill beat writer, you have got to hustle. You're going to have to work hard. So there's different. There's certainly a caste system uh, among the journalists. There is no question.
3: So who you been talking to with today?
5: Uh, I talked to Jason Light today, the Bucks GM. Nice guy. Uh, it's, Let it's any takeaways a- there. Takeaways from him, I think he's very optimistic about this team. And one, one takeaway I'd have is that he seems very into the idea of Dirk Cutter taking over. And I, he, he, he basically, you know, having come from Arizona, he compared him in many ways to Bruce Arians, saying that his time has come a little later than people thought, but also from the elements of an offensive mind. He just seems to have, like, great respect for both of those guys. And so along the fact that they re-signed they have their backfield in place. Uh, they're just on an offense. They they seem to be very encouraged about what's happening on offense. Of course, I had three and a half minutes with him, so I did not like <laughs> dig into the deep <laughs> intertwinings of his like soul and what's happening. Like him and the Schefter are, like walking
3: through a meadow outside the castle, while you're <laughs>
1: getting three minutes. How many minutes did you have at Nippers' back room?
5: Uh, that place is a horrid. I mean, I it's wait. What the is that? It is. I basically shared with Wes that where they've, you know, we're stationed not here at this hotel. We're at a different one. It's certainly a nice hotel, but there's, Nibberish. you know, a limited uh, array of options at night because everything down in Boca Raton essentially seems to close at 10 p.m. And I asked, I didn't want to assume, but I asked the cab driver, is that because a lot of people here are extremely old? And <laughs> they said, yes, it is. That is a one large... Uh, reason behind it. So there's this place kind of close to our hotel, um, up the highway called Nippers, which apparently is open till 5 a.m. And I yes! came out on Saturday night, kind of late, so I thought, let's give this place a shot. It's like the only place with lights on, but it was an absolute debacle. So I was there for about 15 minutes and went back to the hotel room. And there's not been a lot of. Uh, nightlife elements to report well, up till
3: sh- now. What's interesting to me too though is like have knowing your nightlife habits, you kinda like bars that are a little <clears throat> you know, off the beaten path, that maybe aren't in the best physical shape and nothing too <laughs> glossy about them. You like a place that's kinda like a hole in the wall. But Nippers, even by that standards, uh, was not acceptable.
5: Yeah, I think your <laughs> in, in your assessment is hundred percent correct. I do like those places, but what they have to have is a little bit of mystery Um, history, a little bit of class to them, something about them that's a little strange. This had none of that. No intrigue at
3: Nippers. No. No.
5: It's just like a room with a window and like a bad school table and a bartender that definitely did not want to be there. So I, you know, not really making my top 100 list of Boca Raton hotspots.
3: There are certain bars. Some would say almost every bar that if you order a cocktail, you don't um, ask for like the lemon slice or the lime slice. Right. Uh, because, Mark- you know, it's not up to code in terms of the cleaning process. Nippers sounds like a place you would never get the fruit of
1: the drink.
5: That is you – you've already felt the vibe of this place. I I would never drag any of you to this place. I would never eat there. I would never drink there again. What
1: if it's 4.15 a.m.?
5: <laughs> well, you know, Wes, in that case, that's – you know, I hear where you're coming from. That's another option, but it's still very low on the list. Get some water from the sink. What's
3: some other big uh, storylines out there since you've been uh, – in Boca Raton.
4: Got the big coaches' breakfast coming up the next two days. Why is that so I, early? Yeah,
5: I, I think that will help to get really digging with those guys tomorrow. I, I, there hasn't really been like an explosive storyline as far as I could see at this point. But it's, it's a matter of like a lot of these new teams where they have new coaches and stuff. I think that you can sort of sense they're starting to hit the ground. Uh, they're starting to get like their their sea legs under them and feeling good about their teams. They're just this is a time of year where every one of these teams feels extremely optimistic. I mean, even the, the Browns are walking around that way. You know, Reggie McKenzie. You couldn't. There were like six or seven people trying to get interviews with him. He's very popular. All of a sudden, so you know maybe some of these young teams that are starting to get uh, turn the corner and get some attention.
2: Hey, Mark, it's uh, Patrick Claiborne. These guys were walking into the studio. <laughs> I, the door didn't close, and I ran in and, and took your chair. Um, I like it. Yeah, man. This is excellent. you, you got to be proactive. You, you talked about a uh, no-explosive storyline. Do you think that helps, maybe, with like the breakfast setting and getting some guys to open up and actually give you some stuff? That's a uh, good news anchor question.
5: Yeah, I think so, because I, there's certainly ground to cover with all these people, and I think it's because there has been, you know, limited access up to now. And when you ask, you know, you reach out to the PR guys, you say, can we talk to a coach? It, all they'll say is, well, if you're going to be at the breakfast, that's your opportunity. So they're trying to hold the, a lot of the coaches back till then. But a lot of the beat writers and stuff have gotten, I would say, big nuggets, you know, the major elements out of, uh, you know, the general managers because they meet with them kind of privately. It's usually Monday morning. But, yeah, there's no, there's no doubt because you have a full hour. And, you know, everyone bum rushes like a Rex Ryan for the first 20 minutes, but with any of these guys, you then have another, you know, 40 minutes to sit down and really sometimes some of the best stuff happens at the end when they're getting tired of it and they want to go and they start to get loose with their lips and everything comes out. And so who knows what could happen.
4: Wow. I like that. Now, now, uh, that that felt like a promise, Sessler, that you're going to drop a bomb around 8 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Well, I need to produce something. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing fine, and it's not your fault there's no rules pop. I mean, the reason we normally at this time would be talking about all the different rules that they're going to be debating. But the reality is w- we can talk about that Wednesday when th- when we get the final words, but uh, they're not very interesting this year. They're not big rules changes. They're, they're minor tweaks.
3: Once they begged off on making any uh, catch rule changes, it kind of removed the intrigue. The press conference I mean,
4: today yeah. was just explaining the catch rule again, which we've nice yeah, tried before. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And,
5: I, and I've told West for, for multiple reasons that this would not be – the, if I were to outline and craft an event for Wes to be at, this would not be it for multiple reasons. But number one might be, had he been in that press conference when that, you know Dean Blandina was going through game tape and trying to explain why the catch rules still make some sort of human sense, I think Wes would have gotten out of his chair and started to set people on fire. So, well, I, yeah, I don't think
1: there.
4: if Wes – putting Wes in set a room – Set people on fire. Like, <laughs> I think wedgies yeah. would have been administered. Murder escalated quickly. If Wes was in a room – uh, with the competition committee as they're explaining the catch rule, I think there's a good chance Wes is not working I... for the NFL by the end of that day. <laughs> also,
1: I couldn't possibly understand the catch rule because I'm so dim-witted. I have to have it explained to me over and over again.
4: <laughs> uh, five... well, and th- yeah, yeah ahead, that Mark. seems to be their
5: take. Is like we're just going to try to make the public realize that it's their fault they don't
3: comprehend <laughs> right. what a it's catch an, is.
1: It's an interesting take when one of the longest-tenured head coaches in the NFL has no idea what a catch is. Um. Yeah.
3: Finally, Mark, uh, no Greg Rosenthal this year. Will you, A, be jogging, and B, who would you jog with? Or C, could you go solo jog- jogging if
5: necessary? I will have to go solo. I've been to the, uh, you know, again, I'm in a hotel. Not I, I will make it say it softly. It's not next door to this place. So there's no one there that I've ever even heard of. So I'm there by myself, and I've been to the gym a couple times. Wow. And, uh, no, not ventured outside yet. It's not really... There haven't been a lot of daylight leisure hours for me to go do that at this point. So, right. you know, you just go to the hotel gym and you do what you can.
3: Well, good intrepid reporting as always. Uh, Mark Sessler, you could, you could find out more about Mark's journey at Mark Sessler NFL and also on Instagram at Mark. Well,
5: my name, I believe. Okay.
3: <laughs> All right, buddy. Enjoy your, uh, enjoy your trip and uh, keep up the good work.
5: All right.
3: I like Patrick's debut, too. Goodbye, guys. Later. See Thanks, man. Everybody's liking it. You get the news anchor in the chair in a big spot, then away we go. Uh, I wanted to talk about Vegas, but I don't have time. Maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. Um, so let's go and get into our final topic of the day, and that is a segment that we like to call The Darkest Timeline. Now let me explain what the darkest timeline is. Um, This is where we are going to each bring us, each of us will bring up a plausible scenario involving one of the 32 NFL teams that if it were to come to fruition, that team's chances in 2016 uh, would be really significantly dimmed in terms of having any chance to be successful and certainly to uh, compete for a Super Bowl trophy. Um, So, Um, Now, again, this needs to be a scenario that is kind of in the winds right now, something that could actually play out. Um, So we will start. Why don't I start just to get it going um, with, and I'll bring, I'll talk about the Jets because uh, the P scale. Yeah, listen, the P scale. It's at seven and a half now. I'm worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, and that is the darkest timeline. Ryan Fitzpatrick signs elsewhere.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: They get behind Geno Smith as the Jets' week one starter, which the owner and GM have both not necessarily, you know, brushed off as something that can't happen. And I think in that case, Gang Green would be doomed to a miserable season. Would test my fan. It would be a very hard season to watch. I'm so far out on Geno Smith now. And Mike McCagnon all of a sudden would go from golden boy to the guy that blew a season by getting too cute with uh, the quarterback position. That is the Jets' darkest timeline right now.
1: I don't think he went dark enough. Yeah, that, that's... He didn't even cover the Muhammad Wilkerson trade. Ooh, get rid of Wilco. What? That? that th- oh, he's out the door. He's traded in this scenario. Darkest timeline. So
3: they... Uh, I kind of... Okay, in that case... He's
1: starting for the Oakland Raiders this year.
3: They make a decision to get younger and try to free up some space. Yep. Yeah, Mo Wilkerson being traded. That's pretty dark, too. Listen, I know how it is with the Jets too. <laughs> Sorry, I put you in that place. I just, no. I was just looking into Dan's eyes, he, 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 he went to a like, spot there. He, he, was looks like, he was like, "Oh yeah, that is darker <laughs> Unbelievable. The, with the exception of the first two Rex Ryan years, the Jets cannot put together back-to-back quality seasons. So I'm I'm fully oh no fully ready and prepared if things go back to hell again this season. And yes. If we have no Mo and no Ryan Fitzpatrick, no hope, the darkest timeline of the New York Jets, Patrick Claymore. I, I want to oh. say,
4: though, when Mike McCagnin says that that Geno Smith had a good offseason for them last year and it wouldn't be the end of the world if he's their starter, I think he's telling the truth. I mean, I was excited. Whoa. I I don't think Geno Smith – if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's career and you look at the skills that Geno Smith showed, even in the in the minimal amount that he played – I don't think he's a much lesser quarterback oh, or go, lesser at all. Go, Wait, but
1: you are you again? are incredibly biased. You're the only person in America who still believes in Geno
4: Smith. I'm not the only if well, no, he's the only person. Right, guys, I don't think I don't even close. believe in him necessarily. I just think he can be the twenty third best starter in the league or whatever. Ooh, he could and also that's be about what I would expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be this. I don't year. know
2: that Geno ever had the talent around him in New York that Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, of did. course not.
4: And that's not to mention Chan Gailey. Not to mention having Chan Gailey around him.
2: Stop first of all, twenty third
3: best quarterback. That's not right. Uh what?
4: I'm saying for next year. I'm not expecting Ryan be the Fitzpatrick. Best. I'm not expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to repeat a season. You know who else is in, is Mike McCagnon? Because if they thought he could repeat it and that the, he's just a great starter, he'd be signed.
3: Well, that's not necessarily true because what's complicating this and maybe it hasn't been talked about enough is that the Jets have like no money to spend so they need they almost they feel like they have to play hardball here because they there's only one other team in the league that has less cap room than them right now so there it's a couple issues that are all coming together here maybe they're still playing it right but it just it's it could end very dark and uh, now, Patrick Claybaugh.
2: Well, I've, I've channeled my Mark Sessler and, and I started thinking about the Cleveland Browns and the mm-hmm. potential for the darkest timeline with them. They've got Sashi. They've got Paul. Um, everything is, is trending up. We're, Sashi! <laughs> we're training. Mm-hmm. We're, we're training towards a future. And we decide that um, RG3 is, is not going to be a, a good option. Neither will Cap. And we're going to reach for a familiar face in Brian Hoyer, who will be a, available. <laughs> oh, and in the face of, of all this change, you say, we're looking forward to the future, everybody. You can believe now Brian Hoyer's They're back. They're
3: bringing back Cleveland Springsteen.
2: Yeah. And the, the rocket never gets off the ground, and it just detonates there on the launch pad.
3: Did you guys see the news item that uh, <laughs> uh Now, if you put it into there. yeah. What's that? Wasn't it Google Maps? Google Maps or whatever it is. If you search sadness uh, in their app, like directions to sadness, it takes you directly to the Browns home stadium. That's
4: <laughs> It's awful. <laughs> the,
2: the, it, that's unfair unless Brian Hoyer comes. Yeah, back, I think you probably have to live in Cleveland
4: for that to work. I don't even know. But it's, either way, It I, there's this feeling like, oh, let Hugh Jackson fix, fix whoever they get. That's going to work. And yet that feels like... Hoyer that wouldn't there wouldn't even be optimism for that
3: the only thing I will say about that and I don't know if how plausible that is in the sense that uh, has there been any whispers about Brian Hoyer it's as dark as it gets there it's dark it's dark my I think what would be even darker was if they did because they've met with Robert Griffin III now if they thought that they would be the team that could fix RG3 re-signed him and then somehow talk themselves out of taking a quarterback in the first round then we're talking about an epic dark timeline where RG three is terrible because he's not the same guy anymore, and then you don't even have a backup plan because you got too uh, you bought in too hard on RG 3s 2012 season. It's a lot of ways. There's a lot of directions to go when it comes to darkness in Cleveland, I guess. For sure, uh, Chris Wessling, you're up, baby. Get feisty.
1: Well, we, there's a team here that's being called a Super Bowl contender because of what they've done in the off season, and I think it could go the other way. Mm. The Houston Texans. Dark, let's talk about a dark timeline. Okay, the team that benched their starting quarterback three quarters into the 2015 season.
3: <laughs> not not like in December three quarters, literally three quarters of one football game.
1: Yes, like let's say by halfway through the season, they come to realize, wait, we basically just signed a more expensive Mike Glennon. Ooh. Brock Osweiler is not the answer. He's the guy who got benched for a broken down Peyton Manning. Oh. This is what we're left with. We're not a Super Bowl contender. In fact, we don't even have a franchise quarterback. Yeah. We're back to square one. We might have to turn back to Hoyer. And your
3: your cap is wrecked because you got – I mean, it could well, be – You got him on the books
4: for next year too at uh, $18 million.
1: And we also found out that several Dolphins coaching staffs were right all along. Lamar Miller, not a foundation back, purely mm. a fast
2: role player. Now
1: we gotta play Jonathan Grimes
4: for half the snaps again.
2: Texans getting lanced.
4: Well, that that's the thing. You create potentials for dark timelines when you put yourself out there. That's Plausible. what they did this year. They put themselves out there. They did and we they talked about
3: it. that at the time of the of the Brock move, that if this does not work out, it could be a historically terrible. Uh, contract that c- could set the team back multiple years. I mean, that's how much is riding on this move. And everyone's, you know, would lose their job in the building. It would be an absolute mess. That's dark, Wes.
1: Gets darker. Darker? There's two offensive linemen they introduced before Brock Osweiler at the press conference. One, the Chiefs didn't want Jeff Allen, didn't even want him anymore. The second <laughs> one, Bergstrom, your boy, Burgo? Bergs. Never been a starter in the NFL before. Their offensive line, they've got Dwayne Brown, one of the best left tackles in the league, coming back from major injury. Offensive line is a sieve. Lamar Miller gets tackled in the backfield every time.
4: Gets darker. And and then Oof. halfway through the season, J.J. Watt stops playing when he realizes he makes less money than Brock Osweiler. Ooh. Just wow. quits. Wow.
2: He doesn't have any quid in him, though.
3: Okay, yeah. He works harder than (laughs) anybody. Nobody works hard. That last one wasn't that plausible, Greg, but it was funny. Oh, that's right. It's not supposed to be funny. It was funny. (laughs) All right. Finally, the boss, Greg Rosen.
4: Well, this is the darkest timeline for many people. NFL fans around the country, the National Broadcasting Corporation, Al Michaels, Uh, Denver Broncos fans and and the Denver Broncos in general, that Mark Sanchez is the starting quarterback week one of the NFL kickoff game. And I think this is quite plausible since he's number one on their depth chart right now. In this scenario, the 49ers, they hold on to Colin Kaepernick. In this scenario, the Broncos aren't, aren't able to really move up in the draft or make anything great. They end up taking... Christian Hackenberg or Dak Prescott in the third or fourth round, but that guy's – or maybe late second round. That guy's not starting week one. Plausible. Look look at who else is out there in free agency. No one that necessarily would start over Mark Sanchez. And there you are, all excited. We got our ring, and, and Mark Sanchez is our week one starter. Eat that, America. <laughs> <laughs> Why it's do you
1: a, hate? Why do you hate America? Well, I'm saying that's not good for America. I love, Mark I love that.
4: I love that first game. That reminds me of the year they put the Dolphins against the Steelers in Week One for the kickoff. Ooh, it's uh, Ronnie Brown's sophomore <laughs> year. Let's put that as the first game. You want a big fat fi- fireworks to start the season? It, not Sanchez. It gets darker too. I think we brought it up
3: on the show previously, but because of all the drama with Brock, we could get. A Brock Osweiler, who we always—that's already plausible—as uh, him being terrible, Brock <laughs> versus Sanchez, yeah, uh, for nine, Al Chris in the world,
4: nine-seven Texans win on the road, and then their season crumbles after that. Sure,
2: but at least we can talk about Brock being mad. Right, that that's the that's the one thing that people would hang on that game is oh. like, yeah we can have a, a whole week of questions to Brock. Now you're about,
1: starting to sound like Damashek. How mad
2: were you? No, I I think that's an awful idea. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying this would What be about
4: check? Cool what happened? It's always about the storyline and the narrative. It's never actually about what goes on on the field. I like having <laughs> Claybon could be our designated kind of narrative puncture hole puncher. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you like to do in the yeah things. If, you, you hear some BS, you call it out. You poke a hole in
2: it. Yeah, and, and you get called a contrarian for it. But I'm I'm like, wait, I'm not smart enough to like think of other stuff that I don't actually think.
4: <laughs> you just call him
1: BS <laughs> like You're I, more just inquisitive. Yeah. You like I, to get to the bottom of things. I,
2: I like to ask but why? And it's like, but why would we want to watch Mark Sanchez play <laughs> against yeah. Brock Osweiler?
1: And one thing,
3: if you're if you're interested in Claybon's opinions on stuff, <laughs> you should go on Twitter because he is one of the more prolific tweeters in the game, I think, right now. Thanks, man. Uh, it's
4: a stream of consciousness. Well, prolific isn't necessarily a compliment. It just <laughs> means you tweet a lot. Travis Henry not. was prolific. No. You are a, you are good, too. But no, I, playbon I, tweets
3: so much that he tweeted seconds before he got married uh, earlier this month. Uh, what really? was the exact tweet? <laughs> it was BRB getting married. Yeah, it was. <laughs> As he was walking <laughs> up to the altar. So that's well, that's what we're – and you know what? Good tweet. That might not sound like, oh, maybe this guy tweets too much. No, but it's it's a nice – it's a good Twitter account. Yeah. I'd say at Patrick Claibon. You should follow him.
2: Thanks, man. I met my wife on Twitter, so she's
3: great. Cool. Really?
4: Yeah. Wow.
3: So you you owe a lot to the uh, – I do. On its do. 10th birthday today, I believe. It is.
2: Yeah, happy birthday. Twitter.com.
3: <laughs> Patrick Claybon at Patrick Claibon, news anchor for NFL Network, and now um, part of – the history of the Around the NFL podcast.
2: Thanks, guys, and hopefully the future. I, I, I hope. I hope so,
3: Greg. What do you think? You're the I, boss.
4: Absolutely. I just carved out a whole role for him. That's <laughs> true. That's <laughs> pretty true. The MythBuster. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um. All right. So that's it for uh, Monday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, Mark will not be with us at all this week. Is that?
4: Uh, he will be back for Thursday's show, but we can, if the timing works, we can maybe give him a call on Wednesday to wrap up the meetings as well. Put he will a, be back in, in L.A. for Thursday. All right, good.
3: Uh, yeah, so we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, but until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the anchor, <laughs> the mailman, the boss, and the Irishman behind the
4: glass.
1: Until Wednesday!
0: Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could
3: go
5: surfing. Oh, I <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
0: ski slopes. Let's
5: do it. Um, Tanner, girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby.
0: Wait. Did we just invent California?
4: Discover why California
0: is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses
0: a beat.